Welcome to Faith Life 365, episode number 26. My name is Tim Hardison, and I'm really happy to have you here with me today. Uh, if you missed our past episodes, go back, listen, and get caught up or watch. Go to uh, www.faithlife365.org. Uh, you can uh, click on the blog and, and read and get caught up, or uh, we have uh, a link to the video channels at uh, Rumble and YouTube and uh, also a, a podcast uh, through Podbean. All the links are there. makes it easy for you to get to it and, uh, and get caught up with us. So go over there and take a look when you get a chance. Now, in this episode, we're going to continue talking about the power of our spoken word. Now, let's say a prayer here and get started. Father God, we come before you now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to speak and talk and uh, learn about your word. Father God, open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear uh, your word today that we may gain understanding. Give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Increase our faith, Father, as we read and hear your word and talk about it today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, we've said the words we speak are powerful. The words we speak have meaning. The words we speak create. The words we speak can give comfort and love, or they can cause harm and injury. The words we speak have far-reaching consequences. So the question uh, we talked and asked, how powerful is our spoken word? Let's jump into Mark chapter 11 verses 12 through 14, and then verses 20 through 24 of the New Living Translation. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. And Peter remembered that Jesus said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Jesus spoke aloud to the fig tree. May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the fig tree died from the root up. By the next morning, it was visibly dead. Then Jesus said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and you must have no doubt in your heart. That's an, it's an absolutely astounding statement. Was Jesus kidding? We know Jesus did not speak idle words. So no, he was not kidding. Did he literally mean the mountain uh, he was most likely either standing on or, or gesturing to? Uh, or did he just mean it figuratively? Well, I say yes and yes. I, I believe he meant it both uh, literally and figuratively. Then Jesus said, I tell you, you can pray for anything, 
And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, I know there's some maybe sitting there saying, well, I, I just can't believe that you can pray for anything and it will be yours. Anything? Now, keep this in mind. See, these are the words of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the Almighty God. They're not the words of Tim Hardison. And as we've talked about before, they're spiritual laws, and you must be in compliance with these spiritual laws in order for your faith to work and for your prayers to be answered. Now, our prayers are spoken words. They're spoken uh, aloud by the tongue or silently through the mind and the spirit. But either way, same spiritual laws will apply. Now, Finnis uh, Jennings Dake wrote 10 conditions of answered prayer in the Dake's Annotated Reference Bible. It's under notes for uh, the book of Mark, specifically in reference to Mark eleven twenty three. Number one, have the faith of God. Number two, pray. Say it in no uncertain terms what you want. Number three, have unlimited faith without qualifying and limiting God's will or what you want. Four, refuse to doubt in your heart. Five, believe that whatever is asked will be given. Six, believe that whatever is asked for is already granted. Seven, be authoritative and command to come to pass what is asked. Eight, believe that what you want is God's will. Nine, never say, if it be thy will, concerning anything you ask that is uh, definitely promised of God's uh, or of God in his word. <clears throat> and number 10, have a clean heart and life with God and man. Now, these 10 conditions that uh, that are given here, they're all in line with the spiritual laws that are laid out in the Bible. Now, I realize uh, some people have trouble believing and accepting this scripture. I've heard many individuals, uh, including some ministers, actually try to explain that Jesus didn't really mean what he said. Well, when you talk about this scripture, some will even say, you know, a lot of times you hear the, well, that's the name it and the claim it crowd or the blab it and the grab it crowd. Um, the truth is, see, if you're walking in the spirit, if you've renewed your mind with God's word, the things that you're praying for will not be contrary to the word or the will of God. See, your prayers will not be based on greed or your own personal gain and glory. That's that's against the spiritual laws that's put forth in the first place. So it's not you're not gonna it's not gonna work. But but see your your prayers and your request, uh, they're gonna be based primarily on need and bringing glory to God. It's, it's not about blabbing and grabbing or naming and claiming. It's all about having faith and believing in Jesus, believing God's word and walking in faith. And it's, it's just that simple. One reason I believe many people do not believe and receive uh, based on the scripture uh, is because of impatience. We live in the fast food world. Special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. I know some of you might be a little young for that. Uh, and we want it right now, please. 
See, we, we sit in the drive-thru, and we're upset that it takes five or ten minutes to get meals for four or more people who are also impatiently waiting in the car. We have microwaves. We have pressure cookers. We have air fryers. Faster, faster, faster. No time to waste. We must keep moving on to the next thing that we've dedicated our time to doing that day. See, what we most often fail to realize is, is God doesn't work on our fast food pace. He doesn't work on our schedule. God works on God's time and God's schedule. See, God, God's not going to change for us. We need to learn to change for God. We're the ones that are out of line. We're the ones that are not having faith. We're the ones without the patience. We need to slow down and wait on God. And this requires faith. Oftentimes, uh, you know, we go to bed. We're praying for something that we need right now. And when the new car is not sitting in the driveway, when we wake up, we think, well, that faith stuff don't work. These church people, these crazy people, faith stuff. I asked for my car. I needed it right now. I believed it was going to be sitting there. And that shiny red uh, sports car wasn't there when I got up. Now, seriously, imagine if Abraham would have had that little of faith and patience. You know, we, we wouldn't be reading about Father Abraham in the Bible, that's for sure. We'd not be joint heirs with Father Abraham today. But however, Abraham waited in faith. He waited until he was 100 years old before Isaac, the son God promised him, was born. Yet, we have trouble waiting 10 minutes for a hamburger and french fries, much less having time to wait on Almighty God. I mean, he's only promised to always be with us, to never leave us nor forsake us, and to supply all of our needs, right? Again, the words of Jesus, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it, and it will happen, and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now listen, when I say these things about impatience and, 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 and living a fast lifestyle, I'm I'm speaking to this one right here. I'm speaking to me uh, just as much as anyone else. I'm often that guy sitting at the drive-thru or sitting in traffic with no patience. I want it now. Where's my food? I've got things to do. Don't these people know that I have things to do and, 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 and places to be? Look, when, I am co when I'm cooking, if you want to call it that, you know, I throw anything I can in the microwave and burn, let's get it going, let's get it going now, high heat. Uh, I throw anything else, uh, if it's got to go in the oven uh, or, or the air fryer or, or, or uh, whatever the fastest way I can get it in there, and then it's full heat. I mean, cooking on full heat, that's, that's got to cook faster than 250, 300, or 325, right? Why not go for 450, 475? It's going to cook quicker. Now, my home smoke detector works. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. So... Jesus says for us to use our spoken word and say to the mountain, speak to the mountain, speak to the problem. Don't speak the problem, speak to the problem. All right? Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, English Standard Version. He said to them, because of your little faith, <clears throat> for truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say 
to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew chapter 21, verses 21 through 22 of the English Standard. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown in the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. What is the emphasis? Faith and belief without doubt. Now, oftentimes we open our mouths and we speak the problem instead of speaking to the problem. See, we speak the words the evil one gives us instead of the word that God gives us. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9, and then uh, verses 18 through 23. This is the English Standard Version. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some feeds, seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now I'll jump into verse 18. Hear then the, power, uh, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself and endures for a little while. And when the tribulation or the persecution arises, on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, and in one case a hundred, and in another sixty, and in another thirty-fold. Now, Jesus tells us that the seed the sower sowed was the word. The word of God is seed. Now, Merriam-Webster uh, defines seed is a source of development or growth sowed the seeds of discord. Now, freedictionary.com defines it as a source or beginning, a germ, the seed of an idea. Now, I know there's other definitions about the plant seed, and I'm, I'm not going to get into all of the, you know, the actual definitions there because um, we're not talking about the actual plants. But you understand that when we're speaking here of the seed and God's word sowed as a seed, um, it works just as the seed of a plant, but we're sowing uh, the source of development or growth inside of us or, or becoming a source or beginning, a germ, the seed of an idea that we're planting and speaking in the spirit. Just as we plant the seed in the field and it physically comes up, our seed that's planted through the word with faith applied will grow into reality just as the, the, the physical seed. Um, so... If God's word is seed and we plant that seed in our hearts, we now have planted the source for development and growth within us. 
If God's Word is seed and we are created in His image, and if His Holy Spirit dwells in us, and if we are the body of Christ Jesus on this earth, how can we doubt that our spoken Word produces seed? God's Word produces seed. See, we were created in God's image. Our spirits have been recreated in Christ Jesus. We are part of the body of Christ. The Word tells us that the heavens and the earth were created by the Word of God. See, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it be separated, uh, the waters from the waters. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. God said, let the earth Bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds in the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. See, notice, the word does not say God thought, or God wiggled his little finger, or God twinkled his nose, or God pulled on his ear. It says God said. God spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 of the English Standard Version, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God's Word creates. We are made in the image of God. When we speak words, we are planting seeds that grow and create. Our faith and belief has to come from our heart and our spirit. We have to believe from deep within our heart and our spirit. Back in, in episode 7, we talked about doubt and unbelief. And, and the man in Mark uh, chapter 9, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child, uh, if you can remember the scripture, he cried out. And he said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, I believe. Help my unbelief. See, this man believed in his heart. He believed that Jesus was who he said he was and that he could heal his child. His mind, his senses were attempting to immediately bring doubt. And Jesus saw the man's heart. He saw in the spirit. And, and he saw that, that the faith and belief that he had, he had it in his heart. And the flesh was what was, was saying, help my unbelief. See, I believe that this is where many of us uh, tend to struggle in our faith. Um, Kenneth E. Hagan, he wrote a book titled Right and Wrong Thinking. Now, 
In the book, uh, Brother Hagen writes, what we believe is a result of our thinking. If we think wrong, we will believe wrong. If our believing is wrong, then our confession will be wrong. So in other words, what we say will be wrong. It all hinges on our thinking. But the Word of God has been given to us to straighten out our thinking. Now, this is, is it's a great, it's a little book. It's like 74 pages, uh, but it's lots of right thinking. Um, so I, I suggest if you, if you can, you know, grab, grab a copy of that book and read it. It doesn't take long. Uh, it's Kenneth E. Hagan, and it's Right and Wrong Thinking is the title. Now, so what I ask or look into this is, where is our spirit and our soul? Uh, where does it reside inside our body? God's Word speaks often about the heart. Uh, from the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Well, why, why would God say that? Why the heart? Why not from the abundance of our thoughts or our mind or our knowledge or our wisdom? Why not from the abundance? You know, I mean, why, why is it from the abundance of our heart? Well, uh, I'm just going to submit to you that our heart is the center of our life source, uh, where our spirit and soul resides. Uh, we've talked about it in some past episodes um, about where many of our feelings uh, reside. When, when you get scared or when you get surprised, where do you feel it? You know, and it's, it's in your chest, in your heart, right? You feel that tight. You feel it. So when someone jumps out and scares you, the fear grips your heart. It grips your chest. Um, you have thoughts of fear in your brain, but you don't get that tight gripping feeling in your brain uh, when you're sad and, and your feelings are hurt. Where, where do you feel the heaviness, the pain and the hurt? In your heart, your chest. Um, th that heavy-weighted feeling of burden, it just kind of sits right on your shoulders and deep in your chest. Our, our faith and belief of God, uh, Jesus and the Word, have to come from our heart, have to come from, from our spirit. I was watching uh, Perry Stone of uh, Perry Stone Ministries. Uh, he was teaching outside of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and he mentioned that many people who had received transplants, heart transplants, took on characteristics of the donor they received the heart from. And this kind of fascinated me, and, and so I, I did a little research and reading on it, and I'm not going to go real deep into this, but I want to share just real quick. So there's a headline, uh, 10 organ recipients who took on the traits of their donors by Marcus uh, Louth, or Loth, L-O-W-T-H. Says, he says, organ donations and transplants have saved countless lives. However, some people claim to have received more than just the working organ. There is an increasing study, uh, studied phenomenon known as cellular memory, the theory that cells within an organ carry the memories and desires of the person whom, belong, whom it belonged while it's still very much on the fringes of science, as more studies are done, more and more examples appear to be making the case that cellular memory may be part of just a wild theory. Here are 10 examples. Now, I mean, I can go into all the examples. These all were dealing with heart transplants. Mm -hmm. and um, But, but it was, what was fascinating about it is uh, the people that received the transplant, they, they would feel anger they didn't feel before. They would crave foods like they, foods they had never had or eaten before. Uh, they, they suddenly became artistic in certain areas and skilled in other areas. And all of, all of the new things they took on, 
turned out to be their uh, things that their heart donor um, had loved or enjoyed uh, or was associated with. Uh, another headline, one in 10 transplant patients inherit personal or personalities of their organ donors. Uh, this is uh, Gary Schwartz, a professor of psychology at the University of Arizona, says he has details of 70 cases where his con this controversial phenomenon has occurred. It's a big ethical question, but I believe transplant patients should be told there's a possibility that they will take on a donor's characteristics, he says. Now, um, you can do research. You can look it up, you know, and, and read about it if, if you want some more information on it. Uh, but it's, it's truly fascinating. So how could this be if our heart's only a muscle that pumps blood? Now, I'm sure, you know, secular ones are going to come out and try to give you all these, these reasons. But hasn't God's Word told us this all along? Uh, if we look, Psalms chapter 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Matthew 6 and 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Proverbs 16 and 9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. True faith and belief must come from the heart, from our spirit, man, our inner being. Our own understanding comes from our mind and our senses, our flesh. Revelation from God will be first known in our spirit, in our heart, through the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says, have faith in God, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. And if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. See, he is not speaking of having faith based on our own understanding from our own mind and our five senses of the flesh. Not That's not what he's speaking of. The faith to speak these words and to move mountains, the faith where nothing will be impossible for you, it has to come from your heart, from deep within your spirit. This faith has to come from, from just from, from deep inside of you. It's not flesh and blood, mind and, 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 and senses. You have to know that you know that you know that you know deep in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul, in your inner most being that God is who he says he is that he can and will do what he says he can and will do see your faith has to be unwavering unmovable now this kind of belief in faith it doesn't come overnight it just doesn't it comes from renewing your mind from hearing the word of God from reading the word of God from prayer and from fasting from from meditation and from from opening yourself to the Holy Spirit to reside in you and to guide you. And it comes from the patience to wait on the Lord, to hear his voice and speak those words that he gives you. Now, this is all for this episode, uh, but we're still not finished 
talking about the power of our spoken word. We have one more episode on it. Please join me in episode 27 as we continue on this topic. And uh, I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.